Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast, where we take questions from our church family and try our best to answer them from a biblical worldview. We, all three of us here today, have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church locally here at Southern Hills Baptist Church. And today we've got Jeremy Johnson, who is our youth pastor, a special guest, and my dad, Ruffin Snow, who is pastor of member care and prayer. And my name's Daniel Snow, pastor to young adults here. And so we're going to start out with Jeremy today. And the question for Jeremy is... How much control should parents try to have over their kids' friendships, uh, as in who their friends are? Thanks for throwing this one at me, Dan. You're so welcome. (laughs) Man, I am dealing with, right now, I have a 14-year-old. And so, Daniel, you kind of know. Yeah, I do know. You know where we're coming from. And and Ruffin, you, you had... 14, a lot of 14 year olds. So, uh, <laughs> but in, in this question, I, I want to start off with in Colossians chapter three, verse 20, it says, children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. And so the first thing I want parents to understand in this, in this instance is this, is that it's okay for your students or your kids to be mad at us. And I think if, if we, if we start in that area, uh, then we realize that we're not just trying to be our our kids' friends, but that we're trying to, number one, to disciple them, to lead them in the way that the Lord would want them to go. And so sometimes that's going to cause friction. True. And so um, so when you, when you come to, we don't have control over everything that our kids do. Right. But we can control the environment that they're in. And so hopefully a lot of times... Um, as parents, you you go before the Lord and you ask them because you're going to have your your kid that's going to come and say, "Hey, I want to go to so and so's house tonight because a bunch of people are going there." Yeah. And in those moments, um, we've all had to make that hard call to say, "Hey, not tonight. You're not right. going to that place." And what I would say is, parents, that's okay, and, and and you need to have that control and to be able to understand that when you make that tough call. Hopefully you're making it number one because you want your your kid to make right choices, and number two, uh, you want them uh, to to see their lives as more than uh, just that one instant. That they only can focus on that one moment. That this is the end of the world if right. I don't go to this. Right. But as a parent, you oversee that whole thing. And so for us as parents, um, our daughter's gone to bed mad at us multiple times. What I mean, that never happens Hard in our house. <laughs> and. <laughs> And it, it, it's funny to say that, but it does ruin a lot of families because parents um, can't handle the fact that their kid is frustrated or mad at them. And so they end up saying, hey, it's okay for you to do that. And then months later, they'll come to to either a counselor or they'll come to a minister and say, I don't know how to handle this. And we can trace it back a lot of times to, well, you you let you let these little things go. And before long, they became huge things. You're never going to be able to control your your kids uh, always, but you have to instill in them to make wise choices. And so with with us as parents, um, uh, and it goes into social media, we'll have kids that'll, our kids that'll say, hey, I want this app or I want that app. Parents, you can control that still. So for us as a family, if, if my daughter wants to be able to talk to her friends on Instagram or talk to her friends through TikTok or those things, 
it is done with one single iPad that both my both of my daughters have access to, but can only be used in certain areas of the home. And not only is that app only on that iPad, but it is also on Courtney and I. So as soon as a message is sent, that pops up on our things. And I know mm-hmm. some people will say, well, that's being intrusive or that's this. Well, I want to know that it's okay that they can have conversations, but if they can't talk about things um, and they don't want me to see it, then they shouldn't be talking about it anyways. And so it gives my daughter also that freedom to know, hey, my dad is watching every now and then. He's not reading every single thing, but he'll go back and check and he will have a conversation with me and say, hey, was that probably the wisest thing to do in there? And in that moment, my daughter will say, yeah, you're probably right. Thanks for protecting me because it gives her an out sometimes. She can always say, hey, my dad is reading this. So make sure <laughs> make sure you're making that uh, that right right choice. And so I would say in all of that, it, it is difficult. Um, but I think as parents, we, we've got to understand that, that we are, have been entrusted to these children. And overall, we do have to give them freedom because the Lord is over in control of that. But he has also called us to be good stewards of what he's given us, which is our children. And so sometimes, parents, and sometimes for us, it's going to be difficult, but you have to make that difficult call. And, and you are okay with being the bad guy, which allows, like you said, for the, for the kids sometimes to say, hey, I'm not going to do this or that because of my mom or dad. And so even though maybe they don't even want to do it themselves, but That's it allows right. them to let us be the bad guy. You're right. You're right. Awesome. Okay. You know, um, I might just. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, both of our boys are in the ministry now. And um, I've said more than once, you know, seeing what Daniel's up to and Joel, um, it just I've, it just makes me so glad that I didn't kill them when they were teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> Grandkids are fun. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> that is. A I was good just word. kidding, folks. It's a good word. And, and and would you one last thing with this? Would you say that it's as as they grow um, and and they get older and also show signs of responsibility that there there can be a little more freedom given along with responsibility. Yeah, I think so. And so as, as they grow and they kind of see the boundaries that you set, then as they approach their friendships and as they get asked to be in certain situations, hopefully a lot of times when I was a kid, it wasn't always that I wanted to please the Lord in those moments. Yes. I wanted to not defame my parents' name and I, Mm -hmm. I wanted my dad's name to to mean something. And so I was a lot of times more scared of my dad than I was of what God was going to do to me. I know that's not the right thing, but I think as we, as we set those uh, parameters, you, you see that in your, in your kids' lives as they grow, that they, that they start having this, this worldview of that. Okay. In this situation, I need to, to have a good head on my shoulders and make sure that I'm making the best decision, not for just this moment, but for my whole life. And so, yeah, I agree with that. That's awesome. Okay. Next question, dad, this is for you. What is the one verse or passage that you believe most clearly argues for the eternal security of the believer? And if someone listening thinks, what does that phrase mean? It's basically, how can I know that I'm truly saved? And can I know that I will always remain saved? Wow. That's a wonderful question. And, uh, just so you'll know, it's not uncommon. I mean, it's, it's not every time, but in membership class, 
why this is a point that people, um, even that have come for membership, yeah, they don't buy into it. And, um, yeah, are they've been, are they have come from a background where they think they can lose their salvation mm-hmm. and, uh, we call it the security of the believer and that's a good handle, I think. But, um, but to give just one pair of verses, mm-hmm. which is what my assignment is. Right. Um, there's I, more than that. There's, there's certainly more. Yeah. And we're not just proof texting this thing, mm-hmm. although proof texting is not a bad thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the passage I've used over and over is John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. Yeah, where the scripture says, and it's the words of Jesus. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Mm -hmm. Now that pretty well states where my security is. It's not in me. Mm -hmm. It's in the one who holds me, and that's the Lord Jesus. And I've given this illustration many times um, about your brother, Joel, when he <laughs> was about, um, uh, oh, maybe two and a half or three, you know, just kind of waddling around like he... <laughs> <laughs> the waddle. Yeah. And one time we had the mistaken notion that our family should be campers, go camping. Oh yeah. And, um, well, so we were, we were off camping. We were, he would rent a little pop-up trailer and, uh, we were at a place up in Missouri and, you know, it's one of those deals where you go to the bathhouse to, mm-hmm. or restroom mm-hmm. facilities. And so Joel had a hold of my finger and we're walking along, he's waddling along and, uh, <clears throat> And we came to a place where it was a kind of steep, er, steeper. Right. And so I took my big hand and put it uh, put it around Joel's little chubby hand, right? And just to hold on to him. And okay, so he was secure from falling down. Mm-hmm. Was his security and his ability to hang on to my finger, or was it my ability to hang on to his? hand? Well, obviously the answer is it was in me, the larger person, my ability to hang on to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, when Jesus said, no man will pluck them out of my hand. Well, that, that's a, a, a great assurance to me. Mm-hmm. Now then there are other, other passages that I just much must bring in to point towards that passage in gotcha. John 10. For example, 1 John five thirteen, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. In other words, there were people who had believed in the Lord Jesus, placed their trust in him, would be a better way to mm-hmm. say it maybe, um, who were wondering, could they lose it? It was so good, right? could it be lost? And the Word of God says, these things I'm writing to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. 
Now then, why would people worry about that? Well, it's because um, we see people from time to time who are living like the devil, and yet they claim that they are Christians because they walked down an aisle or something years ago. Well, uh, you know, the Bible has the story of the prodigal son over in Luke 15. And, you know, he goes into far country and he ends up feeding pigs and everything. And, and, he, and the, the scripture is real specific. And he came to himself. Mm-hmm. In other words, he thought about who he was. And he said, I'll go to my father. He said, Father, I'm, uh, I've sinned against heaven against this, and in your sight. I'm no more worthy to be called your son, etc." Okay, so here's my question, and we know the loving father and everybody who's listening to this probably knows the story of the prodigal son mm-hmm. and the loving father. Well, was he when he was in the pig pen or when he was wasting his substance and riotous living, was he still his father's son? Well, the answer is yes, he was his father's son. And he came to himself and he repented and came back to the father. He was always... the. The relationship did not end when he was in a far country, but the fellowship was broken. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's the prodigal son, but there's also the prodigal pig in the Bible. And that's found in second Peter chapter two, verse 22. And it answers this question so well for me at least. And, and I think it should for everyone. And it's given a description there in Second Peter two about someone just like I just said, who claims they were that they are Christian, and yet they're living like the devil, and and so that's the puzzle in people's minds. And so the twenty second verse says there says it has happened to them, according to the ancient parable or ancient proverb, the the dog has returned to his vomit. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> the Bible's pretty descriptive. Yeah, it's yes, very it graphic. <laughs> and, and the sow, or in other words, the pig, has returned to wallowing, wallowing in the mire. Okay, and so it's a picture of, a let's say, just the pig part. Um, here's a pig, and we clean that pig up. We uh, polish his hooves. We put a ribbon around his neck. We, or how do you find a pig's neck? Anyway, but, um, uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, and Why are you guys looking at me over here? <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> so, and we squirt him with foo-foo and everything, make him real nice, and maybe even bring him in the Is house. Is foo-foo the same as um, cologne? Uh, yeah. Okay, same, got same it. Place. I'm with you. <laughs> okay, and so, and so maybe we even bring him in the house, but... As soon as that pig gets outside and sees some slop or some mud, what's he going to do? He returns to wallowing in the mire. Why? Because his nature hasn't been changed. Mm -hmm. It's the picture of someone who maybe has been cleaned up, but their nature has been changed. They've not been born again. Mm -hmm. And so um, that answers a a tough question for me. And uh, I'll give one last little thing. Mm-hmm. One time a fellow from a denomination that does not believe in the eternal security of the believer and I, I was purchasing a bus from him and he started giving me, you know, this 
I can't believe you all believe that about eternal security. Yeah. And, and so, and he, you know, he's a good guy, good mm-hmm. guy. Um, and, and I'm sure he's born again, by the way. Right. And so, and I gave this illustration. I said, okay, here's a, the, what's troubling you is a person that claims they're a Christian because of something churchy back in the back, but, back, but, but they are, are living like the devil. I said, there's, you would say that guy got saved and then he lost it. I would say he never got saved. Yeah. He never placed his trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal salvation. But both of us would agree, here's a guy that needs to get saved. Mm. He needs to be born again. Yeah. And um, so... James is so beautiful about this. He says, uh, you show me faith without works, I'll show you my faith by my works. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it is the result of our salvation, not, uh, not the thing that we do for salvation. Yeah, that's really good. That's really, really helpful. And I think that will help a lot of folks to think that through and know the difference. Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, the question I've got for today is, why are we so attracted to stories? Is there a biblical reason? And I think this is a great question because we are, we do all crave stories. We do. You can't, you can't deny it. From little bitty kids to senior adults and every one of us in between, we crave stories. That's why we love to read or swap or watch stories. Um, fiction or nonfiction, we we actually need stories to live because stories help us make sense of the world. In fact, even right now in this podcast, I didn't ask either of these guys to do this, but they've already shared stories. Like we can't help it. We like to to share stories. Men and women swap stories. Children create stories and want bedtime stories. Throughout history, there have been storytellers. Um, sometimes it was around campfires and those kind of settings. Um, then it was through books. Today, probably the most prominent in, in kind of modern societies is movies. That's kind of our modern day storytelling. And Jesus told stories constantly. In fact, he just finished telling some stories in Matthew 13 about a mustard seed and about leaven, and the way it spreads through the whole lump of dough. And then Jesus said, and then Matthew says this, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fill, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. Okay. So Jesus told stories intentionally, and we should too. Um, and, and the question was, why? Why is this? Well, one, uh, one pastor and author pointed out at least three things that, that stories do for us. They hold our attention. We, we, we're, we get intrigued. They stir our emotions. We can't help but want to put ourselves in that story and think of, okay, what would that feel like? What would that be like to be there? So they hold our attention. They stir our emotions. 
and they help us remember because they create a picture in our in our brains uh, and we are picture people and so they create this picture that we can remember even later on and we can even mull it over and kind of turn it around in several different angles in fact it seems like jesus a lot of times when he would tell his parable stories he didn't do a whole lot of explaining sometimes and he would kind of leave it for the people to kind of turn it over in their heads and he was okay with that and and so okay so here's where I, I want to kind of land on this. We are story consumers and storytellers because we are made in the image of our creator and our creator, God almighty is the author of the great story. It's, in, it's very interesting to me that, that we are all as human beings, we are all drawn to great stories of a hero or a heroine who sacrifices themselves for others. We're just drawn to that. Whether it's a historical hero or a fictional hero, we, and that's not just an American thing, that's just a human thing. We're drawn to that. Also interesting to me that we are drawn to repeated themes in stories. Here's just a few. Adoption, mercy, justice, resurrection. Like especially right now, if you check out a lot of the superhero movies that are huge, how many times does resurrection show up? Um, and those kinds of themes, a victorious king is another theme. And, and one more is just happily ever after. We long for happily ever after, even though some people would say, ah, that's just fantasy. That's fairy tale. That's not realistic. Well, we're still drawn to it. And I think there's a reason. I, I think, in fact, also last thing that's interesting to me the structure of all great stories are similar. It's like this. There's a setting. Like we have to know kind of what's, what is the setting. There's a crisis. Something's gone wrong. There's a climax. Like all this crisis rises to some sort of a climax. And we see either a great battle or we see a great sacrifice or something. Um, and then there's a resolution and how this turns out. And... I, all of that is so interesting to me because I think the gospel as a worldview is the great story that all good stories point to because the setting is creation. The crisis is the fall or sin and rebellion and disobedience entering the world. Uh, the climax is redemption. God himself came to sacrifice himself on our part to do something we can never do for ourselves. And the resolution is restoration. He has now purchased for us by not only his death, but then his resurrection. He purchased a perfect world for anyone who will turn to him in faith, who will put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord um, and will actually get an eternal happily ever after that we do not deserve. But he deserves and and i mean i just this all to me is just awesome it just shines the the greatness and the beauty of god and so i do think these are some of the reasons we're so attracted to stories and i do think there's a biblical reason so hopefully that's helpful and it's very helpful awesome okay well hey that's it for us on this podcast we want to say 
Thanks to you guys uh, for being willing to have these conversations. We want to say thanks to you guys who listen for taking the time to listen. We know you've got lots of things going on. So whether you're driving in your car or you're doing work in the yard or whatever, wherever you are, thanks for listening. And uh, we want to say thanks to Jeremy, who's pulling double duty to answer a question and also produce the podcast. We love your questions. Please know there's at least three ways you can turn them in. MySHBC.com slash contact. You can text 505-258-2076. Or you can email me, Daniel S at myshbc.com. All questions will be kept anonymous. And remember, the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions. Mm-hmm.